you'll please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. That is Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. we can be an encouragement to you also. It is always a blessing to be able to stop and see all of the many opportunities that God gives us to be involved in his kingdom work. We want to remind each of you that you are invited to participate in a campaign that for years we have simply called our stateside campaign. This year we'll be going and working at two congregations in Kentucky and we will have limited number of meetings compared to maybe previous years. And so it is very important, number one, for you to know you're invited. We need you. We want you to participate. But number two, there's a meeting this afternoon at five o'clock in the Upper Fellowship Hall. And so if you're planning on going on this campaign or you would simply like to learn more about this campaign, this would be a wonderful opportunity uh, for you to do so. Also, you could ask further questions, Mike Kibbe or to Scott Owens. Also, we are so thankful to each of you that have been working the last several months in our greeters ministry. It is wonderful to know that every person that walks in any of the doors are greeted. And we just say thank you to those of you that arrive a little bit early or maybe you stay a little bit late after first service. But we also want others of you to know that there's a need so that there can be a rotation. There's a need for more workers, more help is needed. And so if you can do that, please send an email to steve.sanders at mountjuliet.org, or you could write it on one of the cards there in your pew and, and turn it in at the end of services, or you could call the office, whatever's convenient for you. Let us know. Uh, there's a need for all services, especially late service right now is, is really a need. And I know you're saying, we don't go to late service. We're here in early service. Ah, but you know what really works well is you go to early service, Bible class, and right after Bible class, you greet for about 10 minutes, and then when early service, late service starts, you go home. Isn't that a great way to serve? So every one of you have an opportunity to do it, and you don't miss anything. And so uh, think about that, and, uh, but, but get involved in some work in the Lord's kingdom. And if this is one that appeals to you, we would like to let you know that there's a need right now for that. I also continue to pray for Don Humphrey as he is in South Sudan on a 10-day mission trip. What you see here is a picture of what they call a victory circle. 32 individuals were baptized into Christ on this day, and they gathered in a circle to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. At the end of the circle, a woman that was 90 plus years old turned to the one that had taught her and said, thank you for coming and teaching us what we need to know in order to become a Christian like the Bible teaches. And then she said with a big smile, I am now ready to die and go to heaven. That is a victory circle right there. And really that's what we're all striving to do. We don't know how long God's going to give us to live on this earth, but however long 
It's just a vapor. We're only here for a little while to love and glorify God and to serve him with all of our being so that we can spend an eternity with him. In the big picture, that's what Thrive Day is all about. It's placing an emphasis while you're on this earth, live in such a way so that we can spend an eternity with God. So while we're here, let's thrive spiritually. Now, any of us that have lived a little while know that really all life is, is a series of transitions. By the time you get used to one thing, it goes to something else and something else. But especially today, we want to think about our high school graduates and their transition into either the workforce or the military or to college. And we want to encourage you to thrive in this transition. Now, that's not a new word for our high school uh, graduates because there are six things that are emphasized over and over through scripture to them uh, in, in the life of their existence in the youth group. Uh, commit, connect, grow, serve, tell, and thrive. And the idea of thrive, as we see on this next screen, we see that thrive is the idea that we want our young people, their spiritual life and faith to propel way beyond the youth group, that they will leave the youth group and go into their college years and beyond thriving spiritually. That's what we've tried to do as a church family and what Philip has focused on as your youth minister to put a foundation in your life to build upon. That this is just a foundation of knowledge and instruction that you would have this commitment and that you would thrive in your relationship with God throughout the rest of your life. And so allow us to mention a few things that, that there have been several uh, men in this congregation working together, having meetings, and planning what could we do best to help you thrive. Here's a few things that might help you. Uh, get out your phone, that'll help you. Get out your phone and text to 81010 at, Mount, at MJ Varsity. And that's gonna be your lifeline of information that's gonna come to you this summer. You're gonna find out about devotionals, you're gonna find out about activities, you're going to have the opportunity to learn whatever is going on. Uh, you can also connect through Twitter and also through Facebook and you see those there. Now, we also wanna encourage you to know that there is a Bible class that will be meeting on Sunday morning and it's over in the 2040 building, which is the building connected to the chapel where the youth group meets. And uh, that class will begin this morning and the theme of it is the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it will be especially focusing on scripture where Paul urged the young man, Timothy, to live a life of faith. Also on Wednesday night, there will be a class and that class will meet in room 204. It's up the steps here. And just as you go into that hallway, it's the last classroom on your right. So be sure and make plans for that. That's going to be a great class with a lot of guest speakers throughout the summer. And they're going to be speaking on verses that changed my life. And we hope that it will be a life changing experience for you. So here's the slide one more time. Uh, remember that there are varsity activities coming up and here's how you can stay in touch. And it is with texting 81010 MJ Varsity and uh, are connecting on Twitter or Facebook. This morning, uh, I'd like to begin with kind of the emphasis that we've looked at for several weeks. And that is just a leaping point with a couple of verses from Proverbs. In Proverbs, the, the 12th chapter in verse 15, we read, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. 
but he who heeds counsel is wise. There's a lot of wisdom in realizing that there are people that love God, are close to God, and have walked through the transition that you are about to enter into. And they would love to give you some wise counsel. They would love to tell you some ways that you could walk this way and be faithful. But Proverbs 11 and 14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I sent out an email to two or three of the adult Bible classes that are younger in age, that most of them are in their mid-30s and down to the early 20s. And I asked them a, a few very simple questions, like one is, list five things or more or less that our, college, our high school graduates need to do or remember in order to thrive spiritually during their college years. And there was a lot of great wisdom that came back. And you know, in a setting like this, there's just no way to read all of the great wisdom. And, and maybe I need to just print out uh, those particular emails and just make them available for all of you high school graduates. And maybe that'll be the best way uh, to make this a complete guidance of wisdom. But I'd like to begin this lesson by just sharing a few of these with you. In other words, the idea is many of you in a few months or possibly even just a few weeks are going to step into your first full-time job or you're going to step into your first full-time college career. I know many of you have taken dual enrollment and things like that, but it's not the same when you walk onto campus for the first time and this kind of becomes your life, so to speak. Others of you are going to go into the military. And so the question is, what is that going to be like? What's the first week going to be like? Are you listening? What's the first week going to be like? Wouldn't it be great if your first week was a great spiritual success instead of a great free fall from what you have been and what you ought to be? And so as we think about some guidance of individuals that have walked the steps that you're going to be walking, and here's what they would say to you. Josh Kirby went to MTSU and also he worked full time at the same time that he was at MTSU. And he gave several things, I'm only picking out a few, uh, but he said the first thing was find a church to go to. It's easy to get caught up in college and the world and make this the most important, but make this the most important thing. More so than studying, find a Christian center, especially at non-Christian schools and go to the church that is sponsoring it. Bo Branham, who served in the Army in intelligence, he said, when you get to your duty station, find a home congregation away, uh, right away, and make the decision to go every time you can. You may be the only one from your unit that attends service, and you will need the interaction with Christians to build up your walk with Christ. There will likely be times in your military career that you will not be able to attend a weekly service. I spent about eight months in a remote area of the Philippines on a small camp of about 50 soldiers. There was no chaplain and no church of Christ anywhere. Find ways to adapt. You may not have reliable internet or cell service, but access to the postal service will not be out of reach. 
Weekly, I had someone from the congregation back home to send me a CD of the sermon from Sunday's service. And he said a few more things about his time of worship each week. Or also Brandon Ogden, <clears throat> that grew up here and served in the Marines and his last assignment uh, was on uh, the Marine One or at least that fleet that serves the Marine One. And uh, he said, find a church home at each duty station if possible. If not, stay in the habit of worship by removing distractions and streaming MJCOC services live. Worship to God is foundational in remembering his majesty. No one that replied to this survey began with anything except, number one, find a place to worship. But about 80-something percent of kids that go to state universities never worship while they're away from their church home. You will decide the first week whether or not you're going to serve the Lord during those four years or whether you're not. One psychologist that is an expert in this study as a Christian said that many children have a lockbox identity as they go off to college. They feel like their Christian faith has been good for them and they feel like their Christian faith is important and they feel like it's something that they will want to do again one day. But while they are in college, they take that Christian faith and they lock it up in a lockbox and they intend to go back to it one day. As a matter of fact, one young man explained it to the psychologist this way. He said, listen, I view it as this. God dropped me off at college and he'll pick me up in four years. That's not faithfulness. That's failure. That's 1,000% failure. That's not thriving. That's not Christianity. That is some kind of man-made version that all Christianity is a choice. Whenever I want God, I reach for him. And when I don't, that's fine. That's not even fine when you are reaching for him, when you know that in your mind, there's going to be days that you're not going to reach for him. That's not Christianity. What is Christianity? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If you're not committed to that, you're not a Christian. And so when you go to college, are you going to thrive? Are you going to take up the cross daily and follow the Lord? Or have you formed this vision, this kind of idolatrous form of, of religion that says, oh, I've got the best of both worlds. This idol that I've created in my mind, he's just like Jesus Christ when I want him to be. But other times I can just put him in a lockbox and I just go about do what I want to do. Please don't get mixed up in some kind of warped thinking like that. Abby Hyde, who attended Western Kentucky University, said, if you attend college, plug into their church ministry group right away. I attended a public university, and yet I was blessed enough to be able to attend weekly devos and outings with other students who attend the church and the Church of Christ groups on campus. You know, one of the great blessings that our uh, seniors have enjoyed th this year is uh, the sick days, the spying in Canaan days, which 
all of our seniors that wanted to participate had the opportunity to go to the school that they're going to be attending. And, and Jody Marble was usually one leading these trips. They met with local ministers, with local churches, and with the student centers. And so the day they get on campus, they know where they're worshiping. They know where the student center is and all of this. And so our youth are so blessed to have already the beginning of the thriving in their life. Abby continued to say, if you begin a job immediately, plug into one of the Bible class groups here at church that fits your age and the education, and then you will find Christian friends with common interest. Joey Gates, who went to Harding University, said, find friends who value their spiritual life, not just any people, but people who share the same beliefs as you. Go to church, even Wednesday night services. There are really good opportunities for college kids on Wednesday nights in college towns. Also, Sunday mornings are hard sometime after late Saturday nights. Go to church. A Fried Hardman graduate, Sidney Mitten, said, figure out a daily Bible study schedule. You are more likely to study if you make a schedule. Even if it's a chapter a day, dig deeply into God's word, our instruction manual to life daily. She also continued, realize that this new stage of life means that there's a whole new list of challenges that will come with it. Rise above, choose God. Wake up every day and through every challenge, choose God. The first time you let the world or Satan win, it will only get easier for him. That's why we make such a strong emphasis if you're going to thrive in college, thrive from day one. The first Wednesday night you're at college, be at church. The first Sunday morning you're at college, be in worship, be in a Bible class. Doesn't matter if you have a test on Thursday, put God first. Doesn't matter how tired you are when the alarm goes off on Sunday morning, put God first. The time you allow yourself to excuse yourself, it'll get easier and easier and easier. So a recap of what these words of wisdom were, and uh, like I said, we didn't read anywhere close to all that they said, but here's a recap. Number one, over and over, was find the Lord's church and worship with them. Number two, find a Christian student center associated with Church of Christ. Number three, find Christian friends. Number four, study and pray daily. And number five, warning, giving in will just become easier. Christianity Today had an article several years ago about the unusual world that we laugh at some of the memories and maybe we scratch our heads and wonder at the kind of world we have brought you into. But then it had a quote from Eugene Peterson in his book, Running with the Horses. And I'd like for you to see the beautiful, simple way that Eugene Peterson put this. Because when we focus on ourselves, world does get very complicated. But when we focus on God, the world can literally become pretty simple. Notice what he says. Eugene Peterson says, it's really not a puzzle. Talking about figuring out our life and figuring out the next stage. Our lives are not puzzles to be figured out. Rather, we come to God who knows us and reveals to us the truth of our lives. The fundamental mistake is to begin with ourselves and not God. God is the center from which all of life develops. If we use our ego as the center from which to plot the geometry of our lives, we will live eccentrically. There are many unknowns and there are many uncertainties unless we focus on what we can know. We can know God. You can know God.
That's why I love Philippians, a study, because he's writing to a healthy church. But in this healthy writing to a healthy church, he continually speaks with confidence. This is what we can know. This is what we can become because of what we know. And so in times of transition, oftentimes we feel a little bit lost because there's so much unknown. I've never passed through this chapter of life before. And so this morning, let's focus on a few things that we can know. Look with me again, if you will, to Philippians, the first chapter and in verse three. It's already been capably read, but notice again when he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And that's how we feel toward you young people. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy from your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now. Now pause there for just a moment. Isn't that beautiful to think that Paul was literally one that was called on that Macedonia call. And so he was there when the first people of Philippi were immersed into Christ and they became Christians. He was the one that taught them. He was the one that was there. And so when he writes years later and says, I remember our fellowship in the gospel. I'm thankful for our fellowship in the gospel from the first day, even up to right now. And I think about our young people that grew up in the church and how we've watched them grow up. And we were there when many of them were baptized into Christ. We were a part of their lives from the first day of their gospel till now. And we're thankful for you. But then I think of, those graduates, one third of them didn't grow up in the church. One third of them were brought by their peers to the Lord. And we got to see that. We had the opportunity to see the beginning of the gospel in their life. And we rejoice in that. And we're thankful just as Paul writes here. But I'd like for you to notice this very next line in verse six. It's not a new sentence. He's continuing this from the first day in the gospel till now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, let me tell you what I'm confident about. This is something I know. I'm not worried about the unknowns right now. He says, let me tell you what I know. And that, that word confident there is the idea of you can rely upon it. You can be assured of it. You can trust. You can yield yourself to this. This we know. We are confident of this. Paul, what are you so confident of? I know the one that brought you into the gospel. And I know the work that he, God, began in you. And I know that if he began it, that he can continue it. I want to tell you something that I know. I know that every one of our high school graduates can go to college, into the military, into the workplace and be faithful this fall. I don't know that because I know you individually so well. I know it because I know God. And I know that God is capable. God will open doors and he will make the way possible for you to be a faithful Christian where you serve, where you work, or where you study. I know he will. Wouldn't it be terrible? Wouldn't it be terrible if you could honestly say, did you know that there's a, a university that you can go to that, that it literally is so wicked that God cannot have power there? And so if you go there, you can't be a Christian there. God, God just doesn't have enough power to let you live a Christian life there. 
Did you know there's a branch in the military? It's impossible for you to live a Christian life. Like God's tried and God just can't conquer it. God is not powerful enough. I'm confident. I know God. Just like Paul said, I know God. Paul's saying, I was there when God brought the gospel to you in Macedonia. I saw the work he began in you. And I know that God can complete that work. I know the work that God began in you guys in high school. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, it doesn't matter where you go. I know God can complete that. God can open doors. God can make the way possible. God will not allow more to come upon you than what you can stand. God will make a way for you to worship. God will make a way for you to serve. God will make a way for you to be a godly influence for the people around you. God will make a way. There is no doubt about that. Thinking about this from just a little slightly different angle, I do like what Sydney Mitten said about this. She said, you serve the same God in college that you did in high school. Therefore, you still have the same standard of living and are still called to a higher living. God hasn't changed just because your circumstances have. That's right. The same powerful God that, that led the way through high school is opening doors and he's leading the way. The question is not, I wonder if we can trust God or not. Really, the only question is, are you gonna trust God? Like, we can put our confidence in him. We can rely upon him. We can trust him. You can confidently know God. Notice in Philippians 1 and 19, he begins this, this still the same chapter. Paul says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. And going in verse 20, he says, according to my earnest expectation and hope. You think Paul's confident? I know this. It's my earnest hope. I know God keeps his promises. Look at, as, as we skip down, he says, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul. Do you really believe that living for God is worth it? I know it is. I have this expectation. I have this hope that God has given. My expectation, my hope, it's not in me. It's in God. I trust God. And because of that, we go down to verse 23, Philippians 1 and 23, and he says, for I am hard pressed between the two. That's whether or not to go ahead and, hey, would you like to go ahead and go to heaven or would you like to stay on this earth? And he says, I'm hard pressed for this. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, being what? Being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with, all, with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoice for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul, how do you know that living on this earth, you're going to be able to do good if you live for God? And he says, well, I've put my confidence in God. I know God will make the way to have meaning and purpose in my life. I know that God has made the way for me to spend an eternal life with him. So Paul, what are you going to do with your life? Every day I'm putting my confidence in God. I trust God. I believe that he's worthy to serve. I believe that he's worthy to be the Lord of my life. You can also know, you can also live the gospel. We can know God, we can know the gospel. The very next verse, notice this in Philippians 1 and 27. This is the very next verse. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, 
I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of the perdition. Now, where'd all this come from? But to you of salvation and that from God. Paul says, hey, I've been talking a lot here in this first chapter, Paul says, about knowing God and, and you can live that life because of who God is and what God has done in you. He began the work, he'll continue. Paul, is it really possible to live the gospel? Sure. God didn't bring a gospel to us that we can't live. What is the gospel? The core of the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And then that is written and that's given to us in a written format. And so we can, we can hold up the gospel and he says, live worthy of it worthy. What does that mean? Well, the way we receive this gospel is that Jesus Christ died for us. Now live a life that is worthy of that kind of sacrifice. Well, I, I don't know if I want to sacrifice getting up early on, on Sunday morning. Let's see if that's worthy. Jesus Christ died for you. Live a life worthy of the gospel. Kind of pales, doesn't it? That's, that's what he's talking about here. Well, I, I'm just so afraid that if I don't go along with people, they're going to kind of laugh at me and I might not have as many friends. So the first week I'm there, I'm just going to kind of do what everybody's doing because I don't want to be mocked, mocked, crucified, died. Let me do anything to avoid people laughing at me. Doesn't look like a life worthy of the gospel, does it? What is a life worthy of the gospel? Well, it's a life that we stand fast in. No matter what the cost, knowing it's from God and knowing when we do that, we don't have to fear the enemy. Isn't that beautiful? As long as we stand with the Lord, we do not fear the enemy. Bo Branham said, carry a pocket Bible with you in your uniform. During your time in service, particularly in training, you'll be very familiar with the expression, hurry up and wait in reception. The line time, the time before basic training starts where you get medically screened, get uniforms, haircuts, briefings on what to expect, etc. There'll be hours of standing in long lines and waiting to go wherever they tell you next. Breaking out a Bible and finding passages of strength during this time will aid in getting your military career off on the right foot. Not only will this help your personal study, you will stand out from those who have never known God and will likely be asked by some about your faith, giving an opening to talk about Christ so others that may not know him. A life worthy of the gospel looks really, really different from people that don't live the gospel. And that's a good thing. That's how we're protected from the enemy is because we haven't joined sides with the enemy. You can give up confidence in human flesh. Now listen, you're never going to get any of this from a secular council. This is only from God's holy word. Secular parents tell you regularly, you need a lot of self-confidence. You need to really be liked by your peers. 
But really what we need is confidence to know that God is always right and God is powerful and God is loving and God will protect you. And there's going to be times that you have to go against what you want to do. Don't have confidence in the flesh. Have confidence in God. And there's going to be a lot of time where you have to go against what peers want you to do. Don't have confidence in peers. Have confidence in God. And so it's kind of a relief and it brings a lot of peace in our life whenever we give up self-confidence and whenever we give up fleshly confidence and whenever we give up peer confidence. And we can kind of rest then because our decisions are made. Am I going to go to that crazy wild party that I know that I don't really have any business being at? Isn't it neat when that decision's already made? No, I, I'm not going to that. I don't do that kind of partying. Why not? I'm a Christian. I follow the Lord. Wow. That was so easy. I mean, you could stay up all night worrying about that or you could just have peace that passes understanding that says, hey, those decisions are made because I don't place confidence in myself. Well, maybe I'll really be liked. Maybe I could become an officer in that club. Maybe I could get all those new friends over there. That's why psychologists say that so many college age kids drink. It's because not they were craving alcohol. It's because they want the acceptance of their peers that comes along with drinking. A lot of our kids are not going to college and smoking weed because they started out really wanting some weed. They started out really wanting the confidence of their friends. They just really wanted to be accepted by their friends. Now, can you acquire the taste of alcohol and can you get addicted to weed? Yeah. And that's a whole nother phase of the journey of a life away from God and away from the gospel. But just back here at the beginning, when you say, what do we do? We just put our confidence in God. Put our confidence in the gospel. And we don't put our confidence in ourselves. We'll make a lot of mistakes. But what if we put our confidence in God? Then the only times we'll make mistakes is when we don't follow God, but at least we know the way back. Philippians 3 and 3, Paul looks at this, this life of, of the Hebrew faith and how they put so much confidence in the mark of, of circumcision. And Philippians 3 and 3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I like what Brandon Ogden said about this. He said, be consistent in reflecting Christ in your daily life. It's easier to be known and respected for who you are if you are that way from the beginning. Remember that godly characteristics and morals won't always look cool and or be popular. But in the long run, you will reap a harvest of pure relationships, work ethics, and outstanding reputation. And then just to boot here, it also helps during promotion time. I don't remember how many years ago it's been, six years ago. A lot of Brandon's peers were freshmen in college. In the fall, he said, let's send out care packages. So we said, well, if we're sending out care packages, let's call and see if Brandon can receive a care package in the Marines. And so we were able to text him or email or some way reach him and said, hey, Brandon, we're sending out care packages to freshmen in college. We'd like to send you something, but we don't know what you're allowed to receive. 
could you just give us some tips on what we could send you? And he said, he replied back very quickly. He said, yeah, I need about 12 to 15 Bibles that all have the same page number. He said, I started reading my Bible every night in the bunk when I got here. And he said, after a few nights, the first guy comes over and says, what are you reading? Really, I don't know anything about the Bible. Do you mind if I read with you every night? And then a few nights later, the second guy comes over and says, I don't know anything about the Bible either. Do you mind if I read with you? And he said, now it's just turned in like 10 or 12 guys, but none of them know the books of the Bible. And he said, he said, it would help if we had Bibles with the same page numbers. So that was his care package. We sent him a box of, of about 12, 15 Bibles. That's thriving. That's thriving. Each individual makes their choice. In this next transition, are you going to free fall? Or are you going to thrive? It's wonderful that there's no doubt you can thrive, but we do have to be aware of making the wrong friends, avoiding God's church. Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If it takes doing the wrong thing to gain a friend, they're the wrong kind of friend. Julie Plummer, who attended Augusta State and Southern Wesleyan University said, don't fall into the wrong crowd. As you get older, you'll realize that the number of your friends you have isn't as important. It's the friends who will lift you up and will be there when you need them. Psalm 1 and 1 blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. John 10 and 9, Jesus says, I'm the door, and if anyone enters in by me, he'll be saved, and he'll go in and out and find pasture, but there's also an enemy. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. That's what we wrestle with. We have an enemy, and we have a Lord that wants to help us thrive. I have confidence in God. I know God. God can make any of us thrive in any transition of our life. The question is, are we going to stay with God? But if we don't stay with God, we yield to the enemy. Well, well, isn't it a big deal if we yield to the enemy? Yeah, it's a big deal. What does the enemy do? Well, according to Jesus here, he does three things. He steals your soul, he kills you spiritually, and he destroys whatever peace you could have in your life and hope. It's a pretty big deal whether or not we thrive or whether or not we crash. So we don't have to have confidence in the flesh. And a good reason why is because... The reason to not put confidence in the flesh is because there's no flesh that can destroy the enemy before he destroys us except God in the flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ. We can gain Christ. I want to close with Paul's words in Philippians 3 and 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things for the excellency of knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's thriving. What do you got to give up to follow Christ? doesn't matter. You know that if I follow Christ, I'm not going to have nearly as many friends. You may think that, and that might even be true, but it doesn't matter. You know, if I follow Christ, I'm not going to be able to be in that club, in that fraternity, 
in that Saturday night party, in that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You want to thrive? Find God's people on Sunday morning. Find friends that love God's people and go to a student center where there's going to be devotionals and where Saturday night's activities are also going to be talking about worship on Sunday morning. Find real friends that they'll be your friend whether you got a six pack in your hand or not. They'll be your friend when you don't have the six pack. They'll be the friend whenever you won't smoke weed with them. They'll be the friend... They'll be the friend that will help you get to heaven. They'll be the friend that will help you thrive. Thrive day. I love the thought of thrive day and could there be any better reason to thrive than to think not only for your own soul, but the souls of others. Are you listening? You'll have people around you over the next four years that need the Lord. And you'll either help lead them to the Lord or you won't. I love the story that all of us got to witness from the first day of the gospel, even to now, of Angela Hammock. You know, Angela, when she, she attended MTSU and then UTK, but she did her PA in Treveca. And she didn't grow up in the church. And... She had an open heart and love for God, but she didn't know the truth. And I remember while Aaron Crisp was in school, there was a friend's day coming up. And she spoke to me one day in the foyer and she said, I want to ask you to be praying for my friend. She is such a good person. And I really think that she could find the Lord through friend's day. She said, I'm inviting her and I'm encouraging her to come. And Angela and Chad came. And from that, they learned the truth and they became Christians. They've been a great part of this congregation for a lot of years. But how'd that happen? Somebody went to college to thrive. And that always bears fruit. And so this class that has graduated from high school that has brought one third of the class to the Lord during high school, I look really forward to seeing how many you're going to bring to the Lord through college. I really do. This class has set the bar for all of us. There's a lot of adults here that haven't brought anybody to the Lord in the last year or two. And this class, for every two of them, one has been brought to the Lord. That's amazing. I look forward to seeing what God is going to do in their lives. This morning, let's leave here on fire. Let's leave here getting rid of lukewarmness. Let's leave here realizing we do have an enemy, but let's leave here realizing we have a God that's conquered the enemy. And so all we have to do is make a decision of which one we're going to follow. And so if you've never become a Christian, why not this morning? Why not this morning allow your life to thrive? Why not allow your life to have eternal hope? Why not allow your life to have peace that passes understanding? Why not allow your life to have the potential will be an influence of good for somebody else. If you're ready this morning as a believer, willing to repent of sins, confess before men, be baptized into Christ, please do that this morning. This morning, if you become a Christian, along the way, you've lost the way. 
There's not a person here that's perfect. There's not a person here that can't look back on regrets. But let's make sure that as we leave here today that there's also not a person here that won't leave here forgiven. Let's love the Lord with all of our being and let's serve him. And if you need to repent and confess and let's pray forgiveness, but let's leave here today thriving. If we can help in any way, come as we stand as we sing.